a good addition this week to the Polini Perspective. And Patrick, I just, I can't even speak on your show after this. I, I'm done. You I'm, mean after the week? After this week, after everything that President Trump did, I mean, I have tried to be fair and balanced, but I can't even say anything positive. <laughs> So obviously, since the debate last week, which seems like 40 years ago at this point, so we, we thought it'd be uh, smart and, and, and uh, to provide some real perspective. Uh, our chief political reporter, Tom Fitzgerald, has joined us. Tom, welcome. Hey, how you doing, sir? How you doing, Patrick? <laughs> All right, we're doing well. Fitz, I, I've lost my mind so much, I even forgot to intro you. I, so thanks, <laughs> thanks to Patrick. Listen, you know, I'm like, you know, listen, I can't. You know, I don't, are stuff. you okay? Sarah, are you okay? I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just so well, upset. Sarah, we, we thought the debate was the, you know, the 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 um, top of the chaotic insanity of this election. And um, we were just getting started last week. <laughs> I was like, my, and uh, Fitz, I'm really gr- glad you're here because you, of course, are on the ground. You are our like chief political reporter. And we'll get to this at some point, but I'm very curious. What was so upsetting to me was that um, Secret Service ride that President Trump did in Bethesda with COVID, with two Secret Service people. Just, you know, the blatant, you know, disregard for this. So you were there. So I'm going to ask you about that later. But Patrick, where do you want to start? Because like you said, obviously the week, I mean, so life has changed so I think, much. So I want to, so I, I think we should start with, you, you know, from, from Fitz's standpoint, Fitz, just like, where do you think things stand? I mean, it feels like it's over for Trump, for me. It feels like mm-hmm. the polls are not good. The narrative's not good. He's got COVID. The entire, seems like everybody in the White House and anybody that came in within 3,000 feet of him has COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you know, go, going back to the Rose Garden photo op with Amy Coney Barrett looks like, you know, and and for me, it looks like, and Sarah and I have talked about this. You go back to pre-COVID, February-ish. I, you know, I personally thought he was going to win in a landslide. Now I think he might lose in a landslide, and a lot of it is is just his own errors, in my opinion. Like, where where do you think things stand right now? Kind of just big picture. Right. Well, I mean, to get back to. Um, your launching point, which was the debates. Um, and that's kind of what, where we started on this seven day roller coaster, right back, you know, back at that debate. That was the night, um, that I circled on my calendar that I, that I keep here, that, (laughs) that Donald Trump had an opportunity to change the narrative of the race, to change the direction of his campaign. Trump could have and should have relaunched his reelection effort that night. And anybody who watched that debate and anybody who remembers his performance in the 2016 debate didn't see the same guy. Yeah. The, the, the Donald Trump that was there against Hillary Clinton didn't show up against Joe Biden. Is that is that panic? Is that he knows he's behind? Is that just his yeah. his, you know, his ego? Um, you know, what do you think yeah. that is? One of the big questions a lot of us have right now is an unanswered question, Patrick, that we're not getting from the president's medical team. 
And that is when was the last time the president tested negative for COVID-19? We still do not know that. So that has to factor in when you start thinking about what we saw out of the president's performance that night. Was the president affected at that point? We, we still don't know the answer to that. We know when he tested positive. We don't know when his last negative test was. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, based on the timeline and, you know, I'm no I'm no doctor, uh, although I pretend to be one on this podcast at times. <laughs> uh, it, 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 you know, it seems like the Rose Garden event was the super spreader, as people mm-hmm. are calling it. So if that's the case, he certainly was infected. Did, you know, and if the president of the United States is not getting a test after an event like that on Sunday, mm-hmm. Monday, or Tuesday afternoon, mm-hmm. because probably knowing if he had tested positive, he would have had to miss the debate. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just inexcusable. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just yeah. see, and Sarah, jump in, but yeah. I, I've tried to give Trump the benefit of the doubt for the last four years, and I think he's done some things well. I also think, and I want to talk to you a little bit about how the national media covers him in a little bit, but. It's hard to give him the benefit of doubt since the last two weeks, two and a half weeks mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, if you want to go back to, you know, just planning the Rose Garden event, uh, mm-hmm. it seems like it, he sabotaged his own any chance that mm-hmm. he had to. And by the way, right. make, make no mistake. And this is my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. I think Biden is a terrible candidate. Nice guy. Liked 45 years. Great career. Mm-hmm. Public servant, son serve, purple heart, all the mm-hmm. other good things. Terrible. The fact that where the economy was in February, Trump's going to lose to Biden and maybe get walloped. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of what, talk right. about a change. Well, I mean, to yeah. paraphrase Donald Rumsfeld, you know, we go to elections with the candidates we have, not the candidates we want. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, and to turn on its head something that I've long said about Donald Trump's victory in 2016, that Donald Trump was blessed with his opponent, yeah. uh, Hillary Clinton. I, I think in 2020, in, in large measure, Joe Biden is blessed with his opponent Ah. in Donald Trump. Uh, You know, that's that's a great point, Fitz. This is the stuff opposition research can't buy you. And the Trump team seems to be delivering this, you know, gift wrapped to the Biden campaign almost daily now. I mean, it seems like this New York Times tax story was five years ago. It was 10 days ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, Fitch, you make a great point on, you know, it, it's interesting because Sarah and I talked about it, and this is going way back now, mm-hmm. but to your point, Bernie Sanders was the candidate Trump wanted mm-hmm. and didn't yeah. get. And that's, you know, why he kept, I believe, early on, hey, Bernie, you know, the DNC is going to steal the election once again from Bernie. Because Bernie, even through all of this, the socialist nature of Bernie would not play. The problem for Trump in this to me, beside how he handled COVID and all this other craziness, mm-hmm. he couldn't define Biden. Sleepy Joe actually might have worked for Biden. Like we, this country needs a little like calmness and sleepiness. <laughs> and yeah, know, right. Yeah. It's a big problem for for Trump, Patrick, because you know had he gotten Bernie Sanders as his opponent, and you know that might chalk up into be careful what you ask for, Donald Trump. 
Uh, but, you know, it would have been easier for the Trump campaign to point at Bernie Sanders and say, liberal, left wing, yeah. radical, look at him, look at his history since the first time he stepped foot in the public arena. That would have been an easier case so, to make. People so sound Joe Biden for almost a half a century. You look at that guy, yeah. does he look radical to you? Does no, he look no, no. And to try to say because of his age that he's going to put radical people or he's going to be pulled in that direction. Pelosi's, a, Pelosi's not radical. Schumer's not radical. Uh, I mean, listen, they're going to certainly move left like the rest of the country has moved left. You know, Fitch, you and I grew up in New Jersey and mm. – you know, I've always said the country, you know, through Reagan and the Bush era and even the Clinton and even Obama, this country is center right. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. it's certainly center left now. I don't think it's center right anymore, but I don't think it's way left or otherwise they want to put up Biden at 77 year old white guy who's been in Washington for 45 years. Yeah. But Sarah, you know, you, you live in the suburbs now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> great <No>. welcome <laughs> welcome well, to suburbs uh, yeah to your point, you, you opened up the podcast before we started recording saying even you were trying to be fair like so what are people saying in the suburbs like like have they just well like, i think everybody is like okay so look i i look at my main family right which half of them voted for trump i would say we're down to where i had aunts that voted for trump i mean i think we're down to maybe three uncles, you know, that are voting for Trump, you know? Um, so I just, the ship sailed really, I mean, it sailed, it sailed for me a while ago, I think, but you know, it really sailed this week. And Fitz, I have a question for you. Do you think he even wants to win again? Because I actually feel as though, I just think he's like throwing, like, I think he's trying to do everything to lose. I really, you know, remember there was this discussion in 2016, Trump, Donald Trump. Trump. Oh, of course it, he wants to win. Okay. I, I, yeah, I mean, just, you, to don't, me is you don't so become bizarre. president. Of the, you don't become president of the United States and not want to hold on to that until, you know, the, <sighs> the last. Die. Yeah. I mean, it's um, so strange no, to me. He absolutely wants to win. You know, the, the problem is, and, and you know, getting get back to something Patrick was just talking about, you know, a lot of the strategy going into the other night with the debate was to show that you can roll over Joe Biden, that if you're an AOC, that if you're Bernie Sanders, that if you're anybody else in the Democratic Party who is not in that, you know, center left lane that Patrick was just talking about, that all you need to do is get up in Joe Biden's face a little bit and he'll roll over and fold. And that's really what the theme of what the president was trying to do all night. Rattle him, interrupt him, talk back to him, talk back to Chris Wallace. You know, um, Sarah, you're probably too young to remember Muhammad Ali, but he used to have this thing called the rope-a-dope, that when he was in a fight and he wasn't ready to, you know, lay off a haymaker punch, he would just get somebody up against the ropes and just, you know, mess with him. Um, that's what Trump was trying to do. But the problem is, Biden didn't take the bait. Yeah, he probably shouldn't have called him a clown. Yeah, he shouldn't have told him to shut up. Um, but, but by and large, Biden didn't give him what he wanted that night, which was to show that this guy was going to roll under over under a little bit of pressure. Actually, I think he shouldn't have said shut up. But he, the fact he did kind of I even was like, all right, yeah. good. Like, good for you. In a, yeah. In a way. Yeah. Well, well, you know, part part of the part of the Biden you know message here is. 
is that, you know, I, you know, you let me president, I'm going to make us better. Or I'm going to restore our discourse. I'm going to, you know, get back in touch with our values. I, I don't quite know how that squares with telling the president of the United States to shut up. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I agree with yeah, that. So, and by the way, you know, all that stuff just walk, falls. Yeah, walk the walk, talk the talk a little bit. For yeah. me, it falls on deaf ears. You know, Obama yeah. said the same thing. But the fact is, and, and this is a great segue, to me, it's all about the House and the Senate. You know, yes, the president's critically important for this country. Uh, I believe more so even sometimes just on appearance and leadership rather than policy. You know, to me, I think what Trump has also done in the last two weeks, I, he's not only, I think, sabotaged his own presidency, I think he's cost the Republicans the Senate. Oh, yeah. Wow. And I, and I think, you know, it's all going to come full circle, so to speak. And then we're going to see what Biden can and can't do. Because to your point, Fitz, if Biden can't stop them getting rid of the filibuster, if he can't stop them getting rid of the pack in the court or making D.C. and Puerto Rico states or, you know, $4 trillion in tax cuts, which just post-pandemic seem just, I don't care if it's pe on people making a million or not. The fact is, you know, I've, you know, I just don't think you can raise taxes to that degree in this in this environment. No, I mean, on, politically, on businesses and corporations, they're just going to lay off more yeah. people. It's, it's you know, so politically right now, a, a you know, a tax hike, um, I, I think might be a, a dagger to what we're dealing with this in the economy right now. I, I don't I, I don't know how you could argue that to the American people. Maybe, you know, maybe they could go ahead and maybe roll back some of the tr Trump tax cuts uh, that he was able to get through on some of the upper echelons uh, of his, uh, of the economy. But if the Democrats, you know, go rolling in there with this idea that they're going to start raising taxes to fix this economy, you know, as we record this right now, uh, you saw what happened to Wall Street just on the news yeah. that the stimulus talks had been canceled. Yeah. Uh, I, I shudder to think what that would do to this economy. Yeah, and I agree. Even if it's on high income earners, I still think, you know, those are, yeah. you, know, you know, you could argue about trickle down economics. Does it work? Doesn't work. But the fact is a lot of those high end earners uh, are small business owners creating mm -hmm. jobs. Uh, and listen, I just think companies, the corporate tax, the additional payroll tax, it's just going to be too much to bear, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see where, you know, that, that may, there, I, my sense is Biden will be somewhat flexible on that, depending how long, you know, the. Patrick, right. I, want, I wanted to ask you this. So, you know, we've talked a lot because obviously Fitz, I'm from Maine originally. So very tight race for the Senate there um, with Susan Collins. Um, mm -hmm. Do you think this seals the deal for Susan Collins that she loses that Senate seat? I don't know. I listen, I, she's probably going to lose, yeah. Based on polls. But, you know, I, my, listen, and I've always said this, you know, my concern with the Democrats historically, especially in the Senate, even the House to, to, the, to, to a certain degree, they vote in block. Right. Mm -hmm. So well, to me, it's hip. You know, they go to Maine and they say or they go to North Carolina, like Cal Cunningham, who has his own sexting scandal going on right now. He's running against mm -hmm. Tillis in North Carolina and they say all the right things. Right. You know, we I got to do this for North Carolina. I got to 
da da da. And I'm a moderate, you know, I'm a moderate who likes to shoot guns on the weekend, but I'm a Democrat. Mm -hmm. And then they get into the Senate and Schumer forces them to vote. 48, 48, 48, 47, whatever the number is, that's how they vote in unison. So, and listen, I'm, I'm jumping around here a little bit, but you could also make the case that more Republicans should have stood up to Trump. Right. And right. maybe the Republican Party in a whole wouldn't be as in trouble right now. But I, there has been numerous Republicans who have either you know, voted against Kavanaugh or recused themselves or retired because of Trump. The Democrats just, it's, if they have 47 senators, regardless of what you believe and how it impacts their state, they're voting. They're well, voting in unison. Yeah. I, I, am, I am ancient and old enough to remember uh, as a child the end of Watergate and hearing um, you know, the obituaries of the Republican Party uh, in 1976. And it only took four years for Ronald Reagan to come on the scene and yeah. that, uh, you know, uh, shunning of the Republican party lasted exactly, uh, four years. All it took was Jimmy Carter's presidency. Um, yeah. so I, I would, I, I'm not jumping on That's that boat. Point. I'm not jumping on that boat of people who are saying if, you know, Donald Trump loses and if the Republicans lose the Senate, um, that's it forever. Uh, for the Republicans. But there, there's a, the, the, you know, Lindsey Graham pointed this out about a decade ago and he got a lot of grief for it. And it was on the front page of the Washington Post. And Graham said at that time that the Republican Party was not building enough white men. His point, he got hammered for that. He got hammered for that. But his point was being that he felt the Republicans were a pretty smart bunch, but they're not smarter than the census. Every 10 years, this country gets younger, it gets more diverse, it gets more female, and that is not where the Republican Party is right now or is headed. So while 1980 might you know, be something Republicans can look at and say, well, we've been down before and we've rebuilt our party, uh, they they really are going to need to do some soul searching on what they are as a political movement moving forward, because the electorate is different now. Yeah. They are different people out there in the country. And I don't know that what they've been marketing uh, is where those voters are right now. Well, the Things, problem yeah. is, so, so, and then we can move on, but, you know, not to get too in the weeds, but first of all, I'm not sure what Trump's been marketing. Number one, mm -hmm. number two, himself, yeah, himself, that's himself. it. And listen, deregulation, manufacturing jobs, blah blah blah. But okay, the the to your point, Fitz, and it's very you know good point. It's the reason why the Democrats want the electoral college gone yeah. because I don't believe personally we'll ever see unless there's a unless somehow. Uh, uh, like a Biden or somebody does such such a terrible job and we become a socialist country. Mm -hmm. I don't see the Republicans winning a popular vote ever again for the no. presidency. No. And, you know, the thing about the, the Electoral College, I, I was thinking about this the other day when I was in college, the venerable William Patterson University in uh, Wayne, New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, I was kicking around. That's like the Ivy League of Wayne, right? Oh. Yeah. It's the most exclusive, <laughs> uh, exclusive uh, club. I love the place. It's so much better now than when I, when I, when I, than when I was there, probably because I'm not there anymore. Uh, 
but I can remember, you know, there was a time where I really kind of thought about like being a political scientist. I was actually, and I took the course. I did, I did not become a political scientist because I enjoyed banging on both sides through reporting a lot more than studying it academically. But I can remember being back in, in, in these classes in the eighties and we would talk theoretically about what would happen if a president lost the popular vote and yeah. won wow. the electoral college. You know, it's happened twice in my lifetime now, and I'm not so sure wow. we're done with it. And no, I, yeah, I'm not sure we're done with it either. Yeah. So if and, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, but Republicans, have, you know, George W. Bush and Donald Trump won both of those elections I'm talking about. So yeah. if you're the Republican Party and your party has come out on the winning end of elections where the candidate lost the popular vote but won the Electoral College, why in the world would you go along with getting rid of the Electoral College? Yeah. I, yeah. I'm for proportional districting vote. Not I, I certainly believe states rights matter. And, you know, we could get into that stuff. But um, so, Fitz, I wanted to ask you just and this is going to be a harder question for you to answer, maybe. But, mm -hmm. you know, I've always said two things can be true or many things can be true. The problem, I think, right now on Twitter and in our society, it's if you believe one thing, the other thing can't be true uh, as as bad of. Uh, several weeks that Trump has had, and you know, to your point, Sarah, the ride, the ride along, or the ride, drive by, yeah, the drive you by, want to call it. I think the one legacy I think Trump is going to leave is that a lot of national journalists, or that's what they were, have become pundits. Yeah, and I and and, and that concerns me going <laughs> forward. I think the hysteria around, like. The Secret Service has to protect him no matter what. No matter what, right? The, the pilot on Marine One has to fly it. Yeah. They put their lives at risk every single day, every time he goes out. Now, granted, he didn't need to do the drive-by, nor do I agree with it. But the hysteria around it. Listen, Obama walked out of the White House to get a hot dog on the corner. Secret Service had to protect him, right? Okay, but that, oh my God, that's like to pizza uh, oh listen i'm not don't misunderstand what i'm saying i'm not agreeing trump should have stayed in the thing he's got covid he shouldn't have it was an unnecessary rest but the hysteria around it was ridiculous mm -hmm. in my opinion like fitz have you seen that i mean again i don't we're Absolutely. not gonna call out names no I, but I, it, 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 it rings hot you know listen when the secret service agent raises his right hand and takes his oath, there's not a list of different threats that he's agreeing to protect the president from and then other threats that he's not agreeing to protect the president from. That said, they should not put those agents in any undue harm. Uh, I oh, agree totally agree. Yeah, totally I agree with that. But, you know, um, I think what I think what we're seeing is personally, you know, somebody who does this for a living. You know, when I look at the coverage on the cable networks, um, some of the mass hysteria, as I, th I think you correctly hint it, rings hollow. Because depending yeah. on what outlet you're watching, yeah, that's true. You've you've got to sit there and say to yourself, when did they suddenly become so concerned about the president's health? Uh, you know, yeah. um, and as far as the Secret Service agents go. Um, you know, you hope and pray none of them get sick. But also, we have to have the president of the United States protected 
whether he's sick or whether he's completely well. So, you yeah, know, but it's we're, one in a, thing. we're in unprecedented territory right now where we have a deadly virus that has infected yeah. the commander in chief. We can't just put him in a you know in, in a room in the White House, lock the door, and then come check on him in two weeks. Okay, uh, but no, it's I, one I mean, thing. I, I don't. I, I didn't think that that drive was a good idea. What a slap in the face. I mean, Patrick, you've been so impacted by COVID. What a absolute slap in the face to the 208,000 people who have lost their lives and all of their family and grandchildren. I mean, it's that was so ridiculous. And here's the thing. Like, of course, Marine One. Not only was that ridiculous. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, Marine One had to fly him back. I agree with you there, Fitz, right? Okay. So those those men and women who are flying Marine One for him, of course, he wants to come back to his home or whatever and rest. Okay. No problem. Right. But that ride and to get in that ride, not even in full PPP, like Dr. Connolly is saying we have to visit him in full PPP. You know, it's like he didn't wear any gloves. He didn't wear an additional mask. It was comp- it's, to me, the I think that the hysteria in this case was warranted because the blatant disregard. I can't even believe you're elected by the people and, and what a slap in the face. And a lot of those 208,000 people who have lost loved ones were supporters of his. Like that to me is the most offensive thing. I don't know. Of course they can't refuse. Cause you're right. Fitz, they take an oath. Right. But I just thought that was the most disgusting thing. I thought he deserved everything. And to me, it's like, I wouldn't even, I could, I don't, I have nothing good to say about so any of those I, people. It's interesting you say that. So yeah, obviously I've been impacted going back, you know, with my dad passing in April. So, and I've said this to you Sarah, numerous times, I don't blame Trump for that. Right. I don't. Right. Do I wish he handled it earlier more seriously? Absolutely. Do I think my dad would have done anything differently? Probably not knowing him and, and especially mid March, I don't believe the last week and a half has really offended me the way Trump has acted. From the ride to your point, and then the the I might be immune video, which what the heck was that thing? Like mm-hmm. somehow, like because yeah. he's like his courage fit. You know, listen, yeah. I, I I've been involved in in leukemia lymphoma society for years and years, and when you talk to a cancer patient, they don't like when you say, "Oh, they lost their fight." Like somehow people win their fight and lose their yeah, fight. Right. If you lose the fight, somehow you're not tough enough. They don't really like that. Mm-hmm. So to, 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 to say somehow that the 200,000 or imply that the 200,000 people that died somehow didn't have enough courage mm-hmm. or as much courage as the president is just utterly disrespectful. And then the Marine mm-hmm. landing video and the, it, it's, uh, you know, I, I felt like I was just transplanted into some like yeah. movie from like, you know, although I do recall Fitz and Sarah, you may be too young to remember this. I rewatched the West wing over the last <laughs> yeah. year since COVID <laughs> and he did hide his MS diagnosis yeah. from American people for the first, what, two and a half seasons. Or well, three I mean, seasons. Yeah. But you know, there's, there's, there's a, a real life history of that in the presidency. You know, my mother and my father were the part of the greatest generation my mom and dad both told me they had no idea FDR was in a wheelchair and had right. polio. Um, yeah. You know, uh, it's not a, a, an unknown fact that Woodrow Wilson not only contracted uh, influenza during the 18, uh, uh, 1918 pandemic, 
But the man had a stroke and was pretty much sidelined for an entire year of his presidency. Yeah. Edith Wilson, you know, became the de facto uh, president of the United States. But, you know, getting back to this thing with the video, Patrick, I, I had the same reaction. And what I saw there was desperation. Yes, I agree 100 uh, percent in a person, in a presidency and in a campaign that appears to be rounding the driveway here for the last time. The Trump brand, and this even goes beyond his presidency. I first interviewed Donald Trump in 1990 when I was uh, a Jersey Shore correspondent, and part of my job was to cover Atlantic City. And I've said this, I think I've said this on the podcast before. He is the most consistent person I have ever seen in politics. And the reason being is because when Trump speaks, it is always about being bigger, being better, being the best, and everything else stinks. That's not yep. it. Um, and I see that pattern repeat itself. I saw that in Atlantic City when Steve Wynn came and built the Borgata, that Trump's casinos were the best thing in the world and the Borgata was going to be garbage and you know, here we are now, and the Borgata is probably the only thing working still in Atlantic City, and Trump's yeah. casinos are gone. Wow. Um, you can't bully your way through COVID-19. No. You can't tough your way through COVID-19. And the Trump campaign, you know, now seems to think that, you know, if you have the president stand there out there on the Truman balcony and salute and rip his mask off really kind of strongly, that that will show everybody how he's conquered this virus. But what stuck out to me in that video he made the other night was that when the president claims to be immune, when the virus is still in his body, shows to me an incredible disconnect of understanding about the medical science of what immune even means. And not only so, that, I, yeah, I treated like, yeah, not and it, he, he, had do- he had doses of experimental drugs that no yeah. one can really get. Well, right. Yeah. And I was, I, I, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I was on that steroid last year. Um, I, uh, I had a bronchial infection at one point and, um, I went to the doctor, they checked me out the year. You said your, your lungs sound kind of, kind of messed up. More when messed was up. that? What was that COVID? Oh, you must have it on your sick day list. Come on. <laughs> 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 Check the records. <laughs> maybe, no, no, no. It's maybe, a year ago. Fitz could have been ground zero for COVID. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't think, <laughs> Real early. I don't think it was COVID. Um, but, you know, my wife will tell you it takes nothing more than a cold for me to act like, you know, I'm coming down. With oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I can imagine. I, I was on it and I was given a dose and I stopped taking it. Because I didn't like the way it made me feel. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm kind of a, you know, a high test gasoline on a normal day. And I remember being on that and feeling so amped up and hyper and just like, um, like somebody had hipped up an ever ready battery in me. And I was just seeping uh, with energy. And I didn't like the way it made me feel. So, I, you know. All right. Well, do you still have those pills? Because we'll take them. Yeah, you know, I, I, I disposed <laughs> yeah. of them properly. Sarah, Sarah, you and I don't need to be yeah. amped up anymore. <laughs> no, well, we'll I, that, no, but I was, that's what I'm saying. With you know, with the president, you know, he's probably you know that kind of personality a, a little bit to begin with. So to, to have him on something like that, yeah, 
and then have him now kind of, you know, saying these things. Um, and I'm not a doctor. I haven't examined the man. I don't know what's going on with him. But, you know, I, I, I do know that I can confirm these stories have, who, who, people yeah. who have talked about how it feels to be on that drug. Now, you add in what Patrick was talking about was the experimental nature of this, you know, the remdesivir treatment, the antiviral. Oh, when we were doing the, the On the Hill show last Sunday morning, we had Dr. Jeffrey Gold from the University of Nebraska Medical Center. And Dr. Gold, he's the chancellor of of the program and he's actually one of the people who have been uh, kind of working on the vaccines and i asked him about this treatment because we had heard on on saturday that the president was getting simultaneous treatments of uh remdesivir and and the steroids dr gold said that the the case data on, on people who have been treated that way is like in double digits yeah not a lot of people wow. have so and then the, and then the regenerating right is that how you yeah. pronounce that yeah yeah so. so there's not a lot of data and Dr. Gold said he doesn't really have a lot of data on on how that's been used as as a treatment so if you know if it works um, maybe it will help other people but you know just to echo what his doctor said he's not out of the woods yet and the oh. White House seems to want to act like you know standing on the balcony and ripping the mask off means he's conquered it yeah fauci came out and said that he's not out of the woods why is fauci commenting on i don't know no i, I don't know i i'm just he's our I'm, chief um you know yeah. virus expert he should be commenting i F- fauci to me has been all over the place a little bit I, i'm sorry like sarah you and i disagree a little bit i mean listen i smart guy but i feel like he's been the cdc has been all over this this shit when we look back on how we handled covid from a CDC standpoint, World Health Organization, NIH, the administration, I personally think it's F's on some levels, D's on others. I don't mm-hmm. think anybody has figured, you know, has has you know handled this this the right way or has given. I mean, CDC just changed the guidelines again to say now you could get it on on you know droplets on on airborne air, airborne and then on substances. I mean. When we stopped wiping things down, how long ago? But don't you think, yeah. okay, here's my only point. And then I know we have a lot of local things we want to touch yeah. on with, with Fitz. But here with the CDC, you are, this, this did originate in China. You know that China has never given the WHO or CDC accurate info, ever, ever, ever. So all of these organizations essentially had to start from their own because you can't believe half the things that china puts out so i think they've uh, you know they've done the best they could certainly yeah i don't think so i agree with you through say end of april early may maybe i think since then terrible and if this is the best of the best then they need to handle it better i'm tired of this all they've done the best they can and blah 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 no world health organization cdc if you can't rely on those two organizations to get you through a pandemic the right way what are they there for mm-hmm. and again i'm not saying defund the world health organization like trump um, no but like so come on let's go yeah. these are the best of the best well, you know, why are, the, why are the Asian countries in so much better shape than us? Because they test everyone. They force everyone to be okay. tested. They force everybody to stay inside. They for, you know, we have a you can do what you want in this yeah. country, which is look awesome at, in at, many ways. But it's not when it comes to this stuff, because people don't comply. They don't right, want to comply. I, I gotta, okay, so, Sarah, real quick. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry Patrick, no, go, go, go. 
So, Tom, we want to do some rapid fire and then we're going to move on to, away from politics. But okay. so rapid fire political stuff. Who holds on to the Senate? I mean, do the Republicans hold on to the Senate? No. Does Amy Coney Barrett get in? Yes. Um, should kids be in school at this point? Somewhat. Ooh, good answer. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> as, as as I have a uh, an eighth grader two floors above me, I was right going to say, yeah, yes. Yeah, if sure. Trump loses, does he leave? Uh, do we have a do we have a seamless transition Good of power? Depends on the closeness of the vote. A blowout. Okay. He's gone. A close vote. They fight. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. OK, so good segue on the school question. So I've been extremely critical of Montgomery County, Maryland, Prince George's County, Maryland. Uh, rest of the state's in phase three in Maryland. These counties are still in phase two, in particular Montgomery County's phase two. I believe the county executive hasn't given any specific metrics as to what will move them to phase three. He actually did an interview with Steve Chenevy, our morning mm -hmm. anchor, last yeah. week, and actually indicated or implied that we were actually closer to going back to phase one than moving to phase three. Yeah. In addition, the rest of the state's allowing high school sports. He's not in, in Montgomery County. And I've made the, the case that both the lockdowns or staying in phase two per se, plus not allowing high school kids to play sports in particular football, mm -hmm. because you get recruited for college in for football out of high school. All these other youth club, you know, club sports is still going on. And, you know, the, 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 the rich privileged kids who, you know, want to talk about systemic in, mm -hmm. inequality, you know, I believe that he should be giving these kids a chance to be seen by colleges playing high school football. And uh, frankly, all the other kids who could, who could afford club teams are still going to be seen by potential colleges and they don't necessarily have to play high school. So mm -hmm. I've been extremely critical. You've interviewed him numerous times. Uh, what are your yeah. thoughts on him and where we go on from a County uh, perspective? Well, I mean, I, I think in regards to Montgomery County specifically, um, there's, there's nothing that I've heard from either the county executive or the county health officer, Dr. Travis Gales, uh, that doesn't lead you to believe that no matter what other counties in Maryland do, Montgomery County will be the last to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and you're right. We don't, there, you know, we ask over and over and over again, what is the number you are looking for? You are, what is the metric? What is the magic number that you would need give, you know, just of giving people a goal of what they should know, which would restart some of these things. And they have never, ever told us exactly what number they're looking for. They will talk about um, testing numbers being high. Um, but at every turn, when you ask, what is the number? They will not give you a, a specific number. And, you know, in regards to the sports, uh, you're absolutely right. Club sports are, are happening. Um, I have a friend who's got a 13-year-old. He plays, you know, he played baseball last weekend. He's wow. Got, 
it's been kind of good for him because, you know, a lot of us parents um, have kind of felt like um, you need to start weighing what the long-term damage of all of this is to your kids life you know yeah. as a weird aside here you know in the past 24 hours as we're recording this uh eddie van halen passed away yeah and i've been back in touch last night with a lot of my high school friends and i started thinking like what would that be like you know we're we're, we're talking about all these times that we had and we're we're rewinding to you know, those school years of our life, what would it be like if I were to suddenly remove a year of my history out of my own life? And, and it, it's hard for me to fathom. Yeah. Yeah. These, kids, these kids are doing that right now. And I don't think, yes, you have to be safe. Yes, you have to follow the science. Yes, you have to do everything humanly possible to protect these students, to protect these student athletes. But have are we giving enough weight to the the damage that this might be doing to their lives after COVID nineteen is is done, yeah. Uh, I, I wonder. I wonder about that. I don't know that I have the answer to it. But when you know my my rapid fire answer to your to your question before about getting kids back in school was somewhat. Uh, that's because you know I, I've kind of felt like you know in regards to Montgomery County, I, I don't know that they even considered any form of of in-person you know just a taste of it at the beginning yeah. of the school year yeah the students didn't meet their teacher ever yeah uh how do you and how do you, make, I, a, I how do you make a connection with a teacher i believe it's you i personally believe it's union driven i think the unions are calling the shots on a lot of this for, from a teacher perspective i mean my my niece and nephew uh live in connecticut okay. and you know connecticut was um you know, they, they seem to have figured it out. I mean, they're not having yeah. any spikes or positivity rates, 1.8% to 2%. Uh, so my niece and nephew, Monday, Tuesday, virtual all day, Wednesday, half day virtual. Yeah. Thursday, Friday, they're in. Right. And that's what I was talking about. You know, somewhat, yeah. I'm not saying get these kids back in, you know, 26 kid classrooms again, you know, seven, eight hours a day. You know, but high school, high school football is going on. He has high school right, soccer right. game. There's, there's got to be a way with thought and application yeah. to at least, a step, you know, if you're going to have a component of education, figure out how to get a component that is in person because it means a lot, you know, to, to and if you're especially, you know, one thing we haven't talked about is special needs. Kids. I know. Oh, my um, God. Break your heart. Well, it, it's 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 so tough for some kids. To, to get this information, digest it, understand it, and learn it. And you put that through a Zoom screen, and it just multiplies oh. it by a million. So, you know, even that so far has still not gotten and to the, the parents, point where these kids are. Yeah. How you work full-time as a, as a parent and then help a special needs child who's autistic. Yeah. I mean, that I, is... I, yeah. listen, I've been very... I think it's a dereliction of leadership. I think it's a lack of creativity. I think it's appeasement of the unions. I think it's arbitrary decisions by him. Uh, and, and I've said this you know, on this, and I've said it on Twitter. Uh, to me, it's either a failure early on to where this county could be in phase three and opening up high schools and having youth uh, high school sports, or it's a failure now. Like to me, it's been a failure. 
right? right? One way or the other. The fact that if you believe the county's not ready, then what didn't you do correctly? And, and I've said this, Fitz, I saw your story last night about DC spike. You know, DC's in the same boat. They're, they remain in the same phase they've been in for, for, for months. The mayor puts a ridiculous list out every two weeks on a Monday that says if you've traveled to these basically the entire country, yeah. you can't come back unless you quarantine for 14 days. Yet DC seeing a spike like other jurisdictions are not. Yeah. So what are you doing wrong? Yeah, so that's clearly, a good question. Like at some point, if you're spiking and you're still in this, they're going to want to retreat rather than say, you know what? Maybe mm -hmm. if we go to phase three, we won't have people traveling up to uh, Frederick or going to Virginia. Mm -hmm. And oh, and and by the way, it's totally hypocritical the fact that Virginia is not on DC's list, but mm -hmm. other jurisdictions are. I mean, the whole thing makes no sense to me. I think. Fitz, what I, are you hearing about that, though, in D.C.? Patrick, I think that's a good question. Why are you hearing that D.C. is now having rising, continues to have rising rates? What is the inside scoop there? Well, I mean, one of the, you know, one of the reasons uh, that people have pointed to was the fact that the, the testing is up. You know, Donald Trump gets a lot of criticism for things that he says on this. But, you know, one thing he did say you know, over the course of the last couple of months is correct. You do more testing, you're going to get back more positive results. Every time the COVID story winds up back in the news in a prominent way, the way it is right now, um, more people are going to say, hmm, maybe I was in a crowd, maybe I was in a situation, maybe I should go get tested. When you have testing numbers, and I, I just say the, the, the testing numbers go up, then the positive come back. And I agree with Patrick. This list of states um, is, is useless if you're de, de facto going to say uh, Maryland and Virginia are never going to wind up on it no matter what. what then, then what is the point? Right. I, I, I'm just turned 54 years old. And for the first time in my life, I have not been to the Jersey Shore in 2020. Um, and I did that mainly because I knew that the rates in my home state were kind of off the charts. And Well, um, that must be eating you up. I mean, you're a Jersey boy. Well, there, there's a lot more people who have been through a lot more than me not. Yeah. You know, I know, home. that's true. But, well, you still but my, get my, my point is, though, that um, you need to, you know, look at D.C.'s list of states and, and say to yourself, how are they how are they making these determinations and how do they enforce it? Yeah. Do I know that my neighbor? Yeah. Went to uh, listen. It's know, a joke. Last week? I don't know that. But plus, the, no? plus everyone who's traveling off the hill and back to the hills exempt for essential travel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's you know in my in my view it's meaningless if they want to put out a list that says you know have a heightened awareness of these locations all right well that might inform people and that might help people but you know look at what happened with delaware over the summer where dc was putting delaware out on a list and delaware had to come back to them and say you read the numbers wrong yeah mm. and then ultimately dc had to take that off you know, they, they should be concentrating on the things that I think uh, people are, are, are most concerned about. Um, 
educating the public on how to deal with this safely. Because one of the other things that the president has said uh, that I think he is correct about is that we do need to learn to how we can live with this. Yes. Um, You know, I go to Home Depot. I go to Target. I go to the grocery store. They've never closed through any of it. Right. And, you know, if I can go and buy two by fours and stuff on the weekends to a packed Home Depot, yeah. we, we can figure out how on a nice day to get some kids into chairs on a football I, I field. Can't, I can't agree. And, and I, I eat their 100% teachers. agree. It's, yeah. it's arbitrary. Even early on, it's, it was Target can sell clothes and sneakers, but the local Fleet Feet store, which has since closed in Montgomery yeah. County in the Ketlins, a nice young family had bought it bankrupt why wasn't flea feet the, the decisions yeah. by the county leaders has been so arbitrary and and just all over the place it, i fits i i mean i think you said it best on on that front you can't um and that's where trump to your point like when he says don't let covid don't live in fear or i know what he means i do mm-hmm. a lot of people don't they get hysterical but he has no nuance. You know, listen, you cannot live in fear, but still be cautious, right? Mm -hmm. Just because you wear a mask doesn't mean you're living in fear. You're being smart and cautious. I, I, I'm not living in fear, Mm -hmm. but I don't want to be an idiot either. Right. Right. So that's where he doesn't, his messages, I think, I mean, could you imagine again, a few more things that we'll get to, but could you imagine in early April if Trump came out with a Trump 2020 mask on and said, all my people, we need to wear masks so we could stay healthy so you can vote and reelect me as president? He would, by the way, he would have sold Genius. Yeah. 50 million masks, <laughs> yeah. made a fortune yep. and been reelected. set the right message and probably reelected. But like seriously, probably reelected by by a move move like that. And well, I think you know, Patrick- when they write, I think when they write the history of this campaign, you know how it turns out. Um, when you factor in these recordings that he made with Bob Woodward, mm-hmm. you've got to ask yourself, um, you know, to to look at it coldly for a minute and to think about what Donald, where Donald Trump was politically. When COVID entered our lives, he had just come off an impeachment trial, mm-hmm. which now seems like it was 50 years ago. Which, by the way, wasn't mentioned at all in the debates or no. anything else. Like, no. it's like, doesn't matter. Uh, like, it never happened. Right. But, you know, we, we, and that happened this year. Yeah. Um, but presented with this crisis, um, this could have been a moment. For you know, take Trump out of it. For a president, any president, to radically rewrite uh, the history of his presidency, um, but they chose to go in another direction. Um, yeah. yeah, Trump himself said, "I want to be a cheerleader. I, I want to accentuate the positive." And it took me back to Atlantic City, yeah, where I'm standing there with Donald Trump, and he's telling me how great the plaza is, how great Taj Mahal is, how great Trump Marina is, and how horrible Steve Wynn is going to be when he gets to Atlantic City. I also think and I it, just felt like I've watched the whole thing over again. Yeah, that's amazing, yeah. Fitz. That's a to, good story. To, yeah, I, and 
last thing on this, and I've made this point a few times, and I know a lot of the press corps, the White House press corps, didn't love her, Sarah Huckabee Mm -hmm. Sanders. I believe if she had stayed, for some reason I feel that she kept him in check. She was able to keep him away from the day-to-day press stuff and now, some people say she lied to the press corps. Okay, well, you know, but I feel like when she left and they lost that, and then he was doing those daily mm-hmm. diatribes, and, and you're right. And I think the strategy, he, to me, if he pulled out, if he went the Bush strategy and said, you know what, clearly I'm the right president for 9-11. If he said, you know what, the reason I was elected God elected me, whatever you want to say, go to religious, right? Right. God elected me for this moment and I'm going to get us through this safely. Mm -hmm. If he had done that and then let his people, the scientists make decisions, I think we'd be in a completely different place. right? Well, And it's the nature of the presidency. You don't get the presidency you imagine. You get the presidency you're presented with. Mm -hmm. And that, that seemed to be a big part of, the early disconnect here that didn't it didn't kind of fit the narrative of a economy that was roaring and it was uh of a you know united states that you know was making really great progress in the war on terrorism around the world and we have um covid blew all those things off the front pages for good and you know the the the, the reaction here was to uh, push against that and you know you can't push covid away it's yeah plus you lie the, the american people just want to know yeah what's going on tell me you know it's like being in an airport and your plane's delayed you know some things are out of your control you don't want to fly in a plane that's going to crash but don't let me sit there for three hours not knowing what's going on just give me a little bit of information tell me it's going to be okay you're fixing it mm-hmm. and then i'll get on the plane in two hours and we'll get where i'm going it i didn't the whole, the whole, the whole messaging and handling. Uh, I mean, listen, it'll be, it'll be case studies for, for years, probably. Sarah, what else we want to touch on before we uh, well, end it? No, I think that was great. Um, you know, I, I guess Fitz, what, what are your predictions tonight? Vice presidential debate, uh, Kamala Harris and Mike <laughs> Pence. What do you think? Do you think Pence will be more civil? Oh yeah, I almost forgot. We got a debate tonight. Yeah, big debate we? tonight. Uh, well, um, well, you know, I, I'll tell you this. Um, People uh, are going to look at this vice presidential debate, I think, in a way that they've never looked at a vice presidential debate, if they ever have looked at a vice presidential debate. Um, you know, I, I've long believed that nobody votes for a vice president. You, you just don't. You vote for the president and, you know, okay. party. Yeah, right. I don't think anybody has ever cast a vote, you know, for vice president joe biden or vice president dick cheney or right. vice president gw bush i i just don't think it's ever happened or dan oh. quell yeah <laughs> however you know in the past couple of days we've had not theoretical but real conversations about the 25th amendment and the vice president either assuming acting presidency powers or what would happen if the president were to die? And I, I think that in a very serious and real way right now, 
raises the stakes at how you have to look at this debate, not just because of Mike Pence. You know, Joe Biden, um, to you know, use an old phrase, is no spring chicken himself. No, nope. um, you are looking at two people who very possibly could become the president of the United States. So yeah. you need to kind of factor that in. Uh, you're, you're, you're not just hiring somebody to go to uh, UN meetings here. The, the, these are two people that might become the president. Um, how, how will they do style-wise? I think uh, Mike Pence is always underestimated by people um, uh, because uh, they're maybe not that familiar with his history as a, as a broadcaster. You know, before Mike Pence was a was a congressman, before he was a uh, governor, before he you know became vice president, he was a radio talk show host. And um, if you look at the debate four years ago against Virginia Senator Tim Kaine, I think all Kamala Harris has to do is pull out that videotape, put it in the VCR, watch, and don't do anything that Tim Kaine did, mm. uh, yeah. because Tim Kaine four years ago came off as um, kind of annoying to a lot of people. And, um, and I'll tell you, as somebody who covers Senator Kane and who knows him a little bit, that's not really how he is in person. So the idea that night, the idea that night to kind of, um, uh, you know, uh, throw Tim Kane off of his rails didn't work. And if she repeats anything that Tim Kane did, uh, that's going to be a massively bad idea. Well, plus she's not a good debater. I mean, she she failed at multiple debates during the Democratic primaries. Tulsi Gabbard just crushed her. She was one of the first people to wash out of the Democratic primary. Yeah, and you know, I've said this. I I think it was a safe pick. I don't think it was the best pick. I don't think it's going to matter though because of how things have turned poorly for Trump. Mm-hmm. So when we thought the vice president pick might have really been critical. Uh, I don't think it's as critical anymore. And she certainly has the, the 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 resume to be presidential. And I think that's all that she has to do at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I was for more of a Tammy Duckworth type, Klobuchar type uh, choice. But I, to your point, I think all she has to do is not make a catastrophic mistake, not say something that Oh, I'm f- we're for universal health care or some sort of socialist comment. Mm-hmm. As long as there's not a, 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 a soundbite yeah. that could, you know, change, you know, a few percentage of the votes, I think she'll she'll be fine. I think she'll be fine. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree with that because you know I think one of the, you know you look at probably what their goals are tonight. Um, you know, Mike Pence, in addition to being the vice president of the United States, is leader of the White House Task Force on COVID nineteen. Uh, I think we can fully expect to see Harris, you know, press uh, Pence not only on what the national strategy has been and how it's been uh, executed uh, over the past six, seven months, but also um, about what's currently going on with the president himself and this mixed messaging that's coming from. I, I just the hope president. the questions are I mean, clearly, obviously, the news cycle in the last week and a half is going to dominate the first part of the debate. Mm-hmm. I just hope there's some forward thinking questions. If I'm Pence, I'm trying to get Kamala Harris to say. To disagree with Biden on the radical left, to disagree mm-hmm. with universal health care, disagree to some socialist stuff or to get her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's or, a good point. Or, or at least get her on record to agree with Biden that mm-hmm. they're more moderate. 
versus left. Yeah. And, you know, in regards to things like defunding the police, um, you know, if they're, you know, if Pence is going to try to paint Kamala Harris as, you know, a far right, you know, protest sympathizer, um, they they need to be uh, cognizant of her own background as an attorney general as a district attorney in, in um, San Francisco. And remember, that's not won her any, you know, yeah, uh, praise no among yeah. the left wing of the Democratic Party. They view her in, in some parts of, of, of that wing of the party as part of the problem. You know, felony convictions went up from 50 percent to 75 percent under uh, Kamala Harris when she was in San Francisco. So, um, you know, they're, they're both. I, I think Patrick's right. Uh, uh, he, Mike Pence has to find the gaps between where Kamala Harris is and where Joe Biden is and and try to point out that the the, the reason um, her pick was made as vice president as opposed is to maybe satisfy a wing of the party where Pence will more say that he is in line yeah, with mean, where the president he, is. I would focus on her, you know, providing bail for some of the rioters and the looters. And, you know, there's some things that you could try to point out that, you know, make her a little bit more, you know, certainly on, on the left side of things. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, let's at the end. I mean, we were just talking three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago at the most three weeks mm-hmm. that this race was tightening. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah. Were, we were seeing polls, you know, nationally down a four or five some of the states were toss-ups by the mm-hmm. way why we're taping this the banger is it the banger news daily news yeah what'd they say 44 43 for for um collins uh no for Wait. uh uh her opponent oh okay okay 40 she's up. Still, okay that, that means there's a lot of undecided in maine still sarah gideon okay okay that'll be i'll be curious to see all right, I'd have to jump. This okay. is great. Uh, yes, Fitz, you were amazing. Where can people follow you, Fitz, on Twitter? At FitzFox5DC. Patrick, where can people follow you? Patrick GM Fox 5 dc Sarah, thanks. It was great. You got it, guys. We'll talk to you soon. All thanks, right. Fitz. Bye. Bye.